Let's get you to your global talkers tonight. We got Makai Taggart, news director over at Global News, and Matt Gurney, who you can hear on 640 Toronto on the Exchange. Hey, guys. Hey. Good to have you on this uh, busy, busy day of news. Because, of course, uh, well, we focused on the Northern debate. I don't think anyone else, I don't think anyone else stopped to watch it. But a lot was made out of uh, a handshake between the Premier and Doug Ford and a quip he made about her smile. Take a listen to this quick bit. Still like that snap. Well, it was awkward, um, but the left is crying sexism. They've all been triggered. I got to be honest. It's great for us in the news because we can talk about it. But to me, it's just it's a joke, lighthearted moment being made way too much of it. Where where are you on this map? Um, you know what? I mean, I don't I think probably somewhere in the middle. Like, I think. When I look at it, I don't necessarily see a joke, but I also don't see, like, a provincial tragedy. I think Doug is trying to get under the premier's skin. Oh, I don't even look at so it like it's, that. Yeah, it's, it's not that unusual, right, in politics. And mm-hmm. we've even read before about uh, before debates, um, you know, being practiced on how to try and unsettle your debating opponent. There was one thing I was reading about one of the federal elections. I don't remember which one it was anymore. But, like, training the politicians to just stare at their opponent when they're giving their answer. And the opponent, usually, when they're talking, they're on TV. They're looking into the the camera. So it was about how you can try to use your body language to psycho the other guy. I think Doug's trying to rattle the premier's cage. And I think you can say that it's churlish and it's immature and maybe it's unbecoming. I don't think you need to go right to, like, DEFCON 1 and go full sexism here. Yeah, the problem, though, for, for Doug Ford, Mackay, is that... He's a guy, and so he's in this very uh, tough position because he's up against two women, and he, he's got to do. I mean, he's he's under attack all the time. Fair enough, but you know he's going to lose either way. I don't think it's a tough position. I think at this day and age, just don't make a comment about someone's personal appearance, whether you're male, female, no matter what the gender is of the person is that you're that you're debating or you're having a conversation with. In in, in a setting like that, a comment about someone's appearance, whether it be their smile or their clothing, is just not necessary. Well, and come on. Th- this is the premier that calls him a bully and calls him all these names like a week and a half ago. She, he was called a dickhead by her, or dick by her t- campaign think, well, manager. In, in fairness, I think it was a bit of one, uh, not a full one. Oh, but, okay. But, 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 <laughs> I stand corrected. Point, point well taken. And I think that the same rule applies. But, but it just, it's, it's a distraction, and it certainly is something. I mean, it was an offhanded remark, and, and we, we know Doug Ford. He's a, he's a pretty folksy guy, and he maybe, maybe doesn't give a lot of pre-thought to everything that he says in, in passing, and this might have just been an example of that. But it's just getting him into unnecessary trouble, and I think it plays into the narrative that the liberals want to create uh, about, around him. Sure. I just look at it like it was an awkward moment. They were finished up. They've just been eating each other for lunch, and uh, he's just like, what do you do? Oh, hey, hey, you still got that smile. Ha, ha. Like, I just thought it doesn't rattle my cage as a woman. Alex, you know, just to jump in here, what's, what I find so funny about it, too, is like one thing we've been told all along is how nasty this campaign is going to be, how mm. brutal and how aggressive. And three days into it, we're, we're talking about how Doug Ford won't stop complimenting the premier. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. It's true. I, I, I'm sure we, it, it feels like this campaign has now been going on for nine months, though. Yeah, it does. Uh, I When it finally actually began, I was saying on the exchange, like, it was with equal parts, like, profound relief and extreme dread that I was welcoming the official campaign. Because yeah. at least now there's an end in sight. Yeah. Well, we, we were promised, we've been promised fireworks this entire time and haven't gotten any, and I think we're going to seek them out whether they're there or not. 
That's true. That's true. And at some point, we'll actually start covering the issues because uh, the noise will start to settle down. And I mean, we all know this. Most people, other than the junkies for politics, they're not watching right now. No. no we've got true. a long weekend to get through first. I, I, don't, I, don't, I think for the average person, this, this campaign begins on, on, what is it, May 22nd or whatever, the Tuesday after the long weekend. In the third uh, debate. When, it, well, not even that. Just just when people are when it's when it's in sight, and when when the when people are sort of back from the cottage and 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 are maybe give ten days of caring about this, not not four weeks. Yeah, I think that's bang on, and I also think as well. Though I just confess to some degree of shock that there are any undecided voters left. I mean, we we have a government here that, for better or worse, has been in power for fifteen years. Doug Ford is a well-known guy. Andrew Horvath is a known quantity. The issues are pretty well established here. I just remain almost impressed by the power of the Ontario voter to not form opinions until that last 10-day period. I, I just I know there are undecideds, and we do see that in every poll. Yeah. And obviously, Andrew yeah. Horvath is trying to lock someone up. I just want to meet who some of these people are and just ask them how they possibly maintain the emotional sanity to have not formed an opinion on any of this. Yeah, no, I, I do get the sense that many, many more this time want change. Uh, they just want it to be done with. And and yeah. the the bottom line is Horvath, as I discussed with Alan, she's got to start explaining her numbers because if she's going to be taken seriously, because let's be honest, in the media we've always kind of just blown her off as an afterthought because she hasn't done much over the last decade and so now she's got to be scrutinized and she's also in the crosshairs of doug ford now if you if you take a listen to the sound bites yep. that came out of the, the debate this afternoon uh doug ford basically ignored kathleen Wynne and and went after the ndp and andrea horvath and, and i think that 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 she's probably not used to being uh the focus of of those attacks and, the, and those questions from from uh opponents yeah and sure her candidates also like again i was asking alan like who would be her finance minister? I mean, the finance critic was a, a is a farmer lobbyist. I mean, those are the people that are going to run this province. And if you don't like Doug Ford, at least you know the PC party has a pretty good bench strength. Even Kathleen Wynne, they've got bench strength. The NDP, they got some pretty odd candidates out there. Two of them under investigation have human rights violation. There are cases against them. Well, one of the wild cards as well, I mean, something, Alex, that's been typically known about the Ontario NDP, it's not necessarily discussed a lot, but I've even talked about uh, this with federal NDP colleagues, which is that the provincial NDP has been sort of noticeably lacking in ground game in mm-hmm. Ontario. They don't have a ton of volunteers. Uh, they don't have a, a very uh, particularly strong, you're talking about bench strength, they don't have it behind the scenes either, yep. or at least they traditionally haven't. And uh, kind of to your point, they have haven't needed to. I mean, they've been a very effective and amiable uh, third party. And Andrew Horvath, it comes on my show often. I, she's a great interview. I like to have her on. She's very available. She's not the whole party. That's yeah. They, well, yeah. Well, that's part of it. But there I think go. when you're the third party, you kind of need to be that available to everyone. So mm-hmm. I have a ton of time for her, and she's had time for me, which I appreciate. But it's going to be really interesting here if we do see the campaign dynamic shift to where she is a credible like shot at being the next premier, it's going to be really interesting to see. For instance, do the federal NDP start lending them some ground staff to yeah. actually maybe help this thing out? I wouldn't count that out at all. That is one, one thing I found interesting. You have not seen any of the federal leaders yet align themselves at campaign events, and this may still happen, but with provincial leaders. You haven't seen Andrew Scheer or Jagmeet Singh or Justin Trudeau. Well, Trudeau's uh, out. He's not going to do it, but the other two say they are going to come campaign. But they haven't yet, and I think, yet. I think it is quite telling because they know that voters in Ontario, uh, it's not about voting for who they want, it's voting for who they don't want. Right, and we're still so early on. The other interesting thing will be, you know, how much more controlled will Andrew Horvath get with her media appearances the higher up she goes in the polls and the more she is scrutinized because there's a lot to ask her. 
how do you pay for that hydro plan? Because it is a it is a fantasy. Yeah, I think all, to, to an extent, plan, all the numbers are. I mean, uh, sorry, okay, I didn't mean to talk over you there. It's just all the numbers that are based on like the the official budgeting. I want I want to let loose the auditor general on every proposal being made by every party here. Yeah. This is starting to remind me of a couple of election cycles ago when we had the we had uh, McGinty who was still premier and Horvath and Hudak at the time all campaigning using numbers that had already been largely discredited. It's starting to get a bit of a deja vu feeling for me on that front. Yeah, Makai? Yeah, I, I think that there's, there's going to be a little more scrutiny as, as more policy and platforms get announced. But the, the, the problem is that, as we were mentioning, people don't pay attention. And no, no one is watching uh, a campaign with a calculator trying to figure out what actually makes sense. We, we were crunching the numbers on, on Doug Ford's um, tax plan, uh, the, the um, income tax plan that he announced yesterday. And, and what he was espousing during his media avails was not actually what the numbers show. Not yet, but we don't. But the thing is, we don't know what the numbers are. I mean, we know what the auditor general's told us about the six billion missing, but we don't actually know what those books look like. I mean, they could be an. I mean, I suspect they are an utter disaster. Oh, you mean even beyond Alex? Beyond, what the auditor beyond. yeah. Well, you know, you don't know until you get those books open of well, how they. You know? I've really been looking forward to sleeping tonight, but thanks for that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Well, we, we ate up the segment with that, but um, I had hoped to get to something else, but I, I will let you guys officially go on your weekend. <laughs> thanks, I'll enjoy it. Thank you, thanks. guys. Mackay Taggart, who, of course, if you're looking for the TV side of things, you can. he is the, the main guy over at uh, Global News, and Matt Gurney you can hear on The Exchange here on 640 Toronto. On point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.